Today we're going to start off in Genesis chapter 3. If you have a Bible, let's turn there. I guess in one sense, I wish I could just kind of come up here and say thank you, moms, and then just go celebrate. But um, we get to study God's word together. We get to have communion together. And what I want to share with you today is kind of broken up into three sections. Number one, childbearing. Uh, thank you for childbearing. Number two, child caring. Child caring. And then number three, child sharing. And we'll talk about how all that works. But it begins, first of all, with, with child uh, bearing. And in Genesis chapter 3, we have uh, the fall of man. And a lot of you guys are probably familiar with that story. But up to this point, God made everything. It was all good. And then the day came when God said, the aloneness of man is no longer good. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And so he made a wife. He brought Eve to Adam. And then they had marriage. And God said, okay, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And God said, you've got everything to eat. The only thing that I ask that you don't eat is this tree that's right in the middle of the garden. And sure enough, you guys know the story, huh? What did Eve do? She was deceived by the serpent. She ate of that fruit. And then she gave to her husband, Adam, and he ate. And that was when sin entered the world. Death entered the world. Disobedience entered the world. And so as a result of that, God gave them then the consequences of the fall. He spoke to the serpent, who was also Satan. He spoke to Adam. But here in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16, uh, we read in verse 16 to the woman. Now he's you know, sharing the curse or the consequences of the sin. He said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain. You shall bring forth children. Okay, and I just want to emphasize that today. Uh, to, not necessarily to the moms, maybe a little bit to the moms, but primarily to the, to the children. Because I think sometimes kids forget all that their moms go through just to give them life. And it begins, first of all, and I just want to touch on this, with childbearing. Now, some would say, well, that doesn't make a mom, man. It's just a biological thing. And, you know, of course, we know there's much more to it. We're going to talk about that today. But we need to remember that before the birthday, uh, there is around nine months or so of carrying the child within the womb, draining the life uh, from mom and the energy that she had. And, uh, and there was that care it required to bear the child, without which the child would not have lived the child would not have survived you know and i think just if that was it guys if that was all she did for you then that alone is worthy of honor i think we forget the fact that she bore us in pain and so i think there's a, a thank you due uh, for the life uh, before the due date and on the due date and then when you think of the pain of delivery you know, I think uh, us guys are so grateful that we were not chosen for this task, right, guys? Uh, uh, isn't it amazing how some guys are so wimpy? They just cannot tolerate the pain, um, but the women are, are amazing, right? I mean, one mom said, the pain is like having your insides twisted, pulled, and squeezed. She said, if I fought it, the pain only got worse. And another mom said, I would consider labor pains as cramps, multiplied a million times over. It feels like your abdomen is trying to squeeze out all of its contents, not just the baby. 
And she said, they come in waves, varying intensity throughout the labor process. She said, I have a pretty high tolerance for pain, but giving birth, she said, was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. And so, uh, again, I don't know, I kind of wish I could talk to all the moms. I guess everyone is different. Um, But did it hurt? It it hurt, huh? It hurt. (laughs) You know, and I know they have the epidurals now, and they know whatever, sometimes a C-section and all that stuff. But, you know, I I think we need to thank them for for childbearing. I, I really do. As a matter of fact, there's a real interesting translation in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. It's the amplified version. And it says, To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your grief and your suffering in pregnancy and the pangs of childbearing with spasms of distress you will bring forth children. And so the amplified version, it, it, it kind of it, it tears up. It, it goes deeper into the Hebrew and what it also adds to is this the, 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 the difficulty of the pregnancy, not just the delivery. And so I'm just curious, how many of you moms here experienced morning sickness when you had your children? I'm just curious. That was terrible, huh? It was, it was tough. I remember my wife. She had an extreme case of, with both kids, right, with both of them. And so her, her arms were like this around the toilet, man. I mean, she would be there. And she'd be throwing up no energy whatsoever. I mean, sometimes moms going through that whole thing. uh, How many of you here were limited in the food that you could eat? Certain foods you couldn't eat and other foods made you sick. For her, you know what she liked? Taco Bell. (laughs) For some reason that worked. And so we went to Taco Bell one time and we got her food and then we got in the car. And then you know what she did in my new car? She threw up. (laughs) The whole windshield, man. (laughs) And so that's the first three months for us. That was the first trimester for both kids. And I just think back, you know, I don't think my kids are here in this service. Hopefully they'll be here second service, man. But, man, to thank the moms for childbearing, for carrying us for nine months, for the pain that they went through, the sacrifice. They say that when you're pregnant, they say it's like carrying a jug of water, and you're constantly going uphill the whole time. That's how much energy the, the child is draining from you. So any of you guys, you know how it is going uphill? Some of you guys can't even, you know, I'm not going to do that. You're doing the treadmill, you know, and you're like, no, no uh, slope whatsoever. But that's what moms are, are doing for us. And so they say that actually when there's a morning sickness, that the child is actually doing better and it's good for the baby. So anyways, I, I wonder in looking at that first portion right there, if, the, if part of the reason moms experience so much sacrifice in the pregnancy and pain in the delivery of their children, aside from the consequences of the fall, is God you know, indicating to us of the future pains that they would go through as mom, the future years, many tears, how difficult it is to be a mom, to be a parent, for many reasons. Sometimes your children are not serving the Lord. Sometimes they're prodigals. Uh, sometimes they, they go through different you know, things and, and they're out there in the world. Uh, other times they themselves experience pain. And as a mom, it hurts you so much. And so, you know, for me, when I think about the tough times in the journey, uh, uh, even there symbolized the pregnancy and delivery 
Uh, I think of what moms go through. That's what moms go through. They go through so much for us. And that's why I pray, and as I was praying earlier with the, the team before we came out, prayerfully the moms are blessed today. I, I pray that you're blessed and you're spoiled and you're loved on. And you're, and, but, but I pray for the kids here. I pray for all the, the children that are here that have moms, that you would honor your mom because she is worthy of this. It, it began with that nine months of bonding and, and everything that she went through symbolizing really the heart that she would have for you for the rest of her, her life. And so, number one, uh, childbearing. Number two, child caring. And so for that, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And notice what we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 7. Paul the Apostle, writing to the Thessalonians, he said, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our, our own lives because you had become dear to us. And so childbearing, that, that's enough right there, man. You're like, well, I didn't have the greatest mom. Well, all of us are dysfunctional. There is no perfect mom. There isn't. You know, but, but she gave birth to you. There is that childbearing. And then, and then secondly, though, for, for most of us here, even though we had dysfunctional families and there's no perfect parent, we had, for the most part, you know, a mom that cared for us. And a few things we notice in our text here, Paul compares his pastoral ministry to a maternal ministry. And he mentions a few things right here. Number one, that moms are gentle. Number two, that moms are nurses. And then number three, that moms cherish their children. And so we'll look at the care, first of all, physically, and then uh, we'll touch on the care spiritually. First of all, we see that moms are, are gentle. And, and even though, how many of you here, your mom's had a chancla? I'm just curious if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, some moms, you know, they are, are, are maybe they'll, they'll whip out the chancla and stuff, but they, they tend to be just for the way that God designed us. And this is why it's so important that you have a mom and a dad. See, this is why it, we can't allow the world to redefine the family. We can't say, oh, it's okay to have two dads. Oh, it's okay to have two moms. I mean, yeah, I guess we're, we're free. We're, we're not going to kill or persecute people for their choices that they make, but we can't accept that because when God made us, he wants them, the kids to have a, a mom and, and a dad for a reason, and the reason is the design. Generally speaking, moms are softer, calmer, kinder, and gentler. And that's what Paul says right here. Again, look at verse 7. But we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children you see and so kids are supposed to hop on pop right dads are supposed to have the element of being rough and tough and moms are supposed to be the tender gender right and when their child's hurt uh those bullies right they you know those so-called friends that would do that to their kids 
Yeah, there are many heartaches that mom come and they comfort their kids. And, and what we find right here is that they keep them warm in a world that's so cold. Thank God for our moms who, who were gentle. Thank God for our moms that we see right here who, who nursed us, who, were, who cherished us. The, the word nurse right here in the Greek language, it primarily means to feed, right? And isn't that what moms do, right? She's pretty much the one who takes care of the feeding uh, and the bleeding, I think. They come uh, as a nurse, right, when they're made. And both are, are necessary to live and to grow as a child, right? It's kind of funny, um, in our house, ever since day one, and it's not necessarily that we read a book, it was just the way that the moms were wired, you know, they knew to feed their children, and for me, it just didn't, I, I would never think of those things, but Shelly naturally, faithfully, consistently cares about what the kids are going to eat, even today. And my kids are, are in their 20s, and she still is concerned with what they're going to eat. How many of you moms are like that? I'm just curious. Okay, I don't get it. I'm like, man, make a Pop-Tart. I don't understand <laughs> why they still care, but they do. Uh, I, I know that you know, they can make sandwich, uh, they can go eat something out, but it's always on her mind, it's always on her heart. You know, she, she feeds them, she cherishes them. The, the Greek word, it means to keep warm. And so again, to my shame, now that my kids are older, uh, I, I would never think to ask whether they have a sweater or a jacket when we leave the house. But once again, my wife never fails to ask them, you know, and uh, I don't get it, you know, but it's always been that way, huh? Moms, um, kids know that if you don't eat, you don't, you don't live. Mom fed you. She nursed you. I mean, she, she cooked for you. She took care of you. She, you know, she kept you warm. When my kids were small, um, my wife would wrap them up real tight. I'm not, not just a burrito. We're talking a taquito, man. I mean, that's how much she wrapped them up. But, you know, that's what, what moms do. They, they do everything they can to make sure that their kids don't get sick. And sometimes I wondered if they could breathe, but they, they could. I think it helped them. And, and just looking at this right here, my, my prayer today is that I just want to say, I want to say thank you. I, I just really pray you would know how much we appreciate you because I think we're living in a world now where a lot of times that's not the case. And, and some of you here, praise God, you're, you're good children and you do appreciate your mom. And, and, I, and I would say, though, that you're, you're the minority now. We're living in a world that not only are our children oftentimes selfish, but we're also living in a world where they don't appreciate the role of the domestic engineer. They don't appreciate what moms do for their kids, unfortunately. And so you know, want to say thank you, but also want to challenge us as, as kids, you know, to have this understanding of what our moms do physically, but, but then spiritually as well. Look again here, 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul is comparing the pastoral ministry to the maternal ministry, and he says, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, notice that, the gospel of God, but also our own lives. 
because you had become dear to us. And, and what we find is, uh, is not only are we grateful for the child bearing, we're also grateful for the child caring. And not, not just physically, but, but spiritually. And Paul here, he goes on later, he's going to describe the, the way that is similar to being a dad. But he's still in the, in the passages that say, this is how it's similar to being a mom. And moms are gentle. Moms are nurses. nurses. Moms cherish their children. But moms are also, in many ways, the ones that, that are going to be instrumental in raising their children to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we see here, the gospel is woven in here. And then, you know, that's, that's one of the most important things that, that moms can do is give to their kids not just physical life, but spiritual life, right? I mean, and what we find here is that it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. It costs you so much. Paul here, he says, we affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. You know, I remember reading a story about a young lady. She was watching a mom in action with all of her children. And yeah, we all know how cute kids are, huh? how beautiful uh, are, are the children. And, and the young lady couldn't help but say, wow, you know, I'd give my life for kids like that. To which the mom responded, well, yeah, that's about how much it costs. It costs your life, right? I mean, what we find right here is the sacrifice that moms make is just so amazing. And as they give their life, what we find is that the kids watch their mom. They see the love. They see God. They, in many ways, they, they see the love of God, unconditional. I mean, how many of you guys here, you know, you, as kids, you know, you, you disobeyed your mom or you broke her heart or you did things that caused so much pain to your moms. I know that that was my life. Does she still love you? Absolutely. There probably isn't anyone on planet Earth that loves you as much as your mom. And in one sense, that's kind of the way God is. I mean, we have this God that loves us, that will come after us, that never gives up on us. I think that's what, what moms do, and I know dads too. You know, we have our kids, and they go through things, and they go this way, and different things. I, I, I can think of uh, parents, and I, as a pastor over the years, taught to many parents whose children are, are addicted to drugs, whose children are homeless, whose children have gone off the end of the earth. And mom, mom is the one who never gives up on them. And isn't, isn't that the Lord? And, and as the kids, they begin to see their mom and they begin to experience that love. And then as mom not only models the life, but then she begins to share with them the word and, you know, just kind of stir them in this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we find right here is that that child not only receives physical life, but they receive spiritual life. And mom, mom is the one many times who's instrumental in that. 
You know, I was thinking about Paul's letter to Timothy in chapter 1 and verse 5. He said, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So Paul, writing to Timothy, he said, I see the genuine faith in you, but, but I know that it didn't start with you, Timothy. It started with your mom, and not just your mom, but then her mom. And so interesting how Paul traces it through the mom, and then later in chapter 3, in verse 15 of 2 Timothy, he said, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. So if from childhood they knew the Scriptures, question, who taught them the Scriptures? It was mom, huh? You see, this is, this is what moms do. They, they share the Word, and in many ways they live the Word, you know? I remember Robert Ingersoll. He, he was a notorious skeptic, and he was in, in, in town one day, and a, and a couple of college students, they went to hear him lecture. And, and, uh, and as you know, he, they went to the lecture, they heard all the reasons you know, that, that there's no God, that, that you know, these are the, the evidence for the lack of the existence of God. And as they left the lecture, they were walking down the street, and one of the guys said, well, I guess he knocked the props out from our Christianity, didn't he? And the other said, no, I don't think he did. He said, Ingersoll did not explain my mother's life, my mother's genuine faith in God. And until he can explain my mother's life, I will stand by my mother's God. You know, what we find is that mom oftentimes is the one that's instrumental for faith. I remember a story with Dr. G. Campbell Morgan who had four sons and they were all preachers. Imagine that, having four sons and they're all preachers. And so one day an individual came into the drawing room where they were to gather together as a family and he kind of thought he would have some fun. And so he asked the question, he said uh, to one of the sons there, hey, who's the, the greatest preacher in your family? And, and Howard, who had a great admiration for his father, looked straight at his dad, and he said without a, a moment's hesitation, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Mom is. Why? Because she preaches with her life. Unconditional love. I don't have all the answers. I can't explain to you maybe, you know, all the apologetics and whatever, you know, the Greek language words and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I do love you, and I do encourage you, son, daughter, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, and that carries weight, right? Proverbs 1.8, it says, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. That's a proverb repeated in Proverbs 6, verse 20. And so it's dad's job, but it's also mom's job to teach the word. We read the same thing in Proverbs 31 and verse 1. It says, the words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. And so what we find is that the best academy in all reality is on a mother's knee. And thank you, mom. You know, I know that, you know, you might say, well, I, I didn't do the, the greatest job. And, uh, and you know, whatever you do, don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't condemn yourself. Um, 
you have done so much. And not only that, what, I, what I'm realizing is that a mother's job, it, it never ends, huh? And you're continuing to do this. You're, you're childbearing, you're childcaring. I, I think uh, one thing I want to mention before we leave this section is how powerful it is when you have a mom who prays for you. You know, how many of you moms here, you know, before your children were born, you prayed for them? You know, uh, a lot of times we find Jeremiah chapter, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 127, Hannah said, for this child I prayed, and that was before Samuel was ever conceived. And then every day afterwards, you know, mom prays. Abraham Lincoln said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me, Abraham Lincoln said, all my life. You know, there's a neat passage in Mark chapter 7. I was wondering if you could turn there. In Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 24, it says, From there he, Jesus, arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. And when I read this story, it's probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it's about a mom who's praying for her daughter. And this is about as bad as it gets. This is a daughter, think about it, who is demon-possessed. But as she goes to Jesus, it's not like he answers her prayers right away. You know, it's almost like Jesus is ignoring her and the apostles are kind of like saying, go away. But, but, you know, she, she just continues to pray. And then, you know, to make matters a little bit more challenging, Jesus says to her, well, you know, I need to give the food to the kids, not to the, to the little dogs. And, and what that was in reference to was Jesus' ministry. The mission of the Father was to the Jews first and, and then to the Gentiles. She was a Syrophoenician woman. And so that was just, you know, a, a theological reality. But she wasn't discouraged by it. She, she didn't cease to pray. She just kept praying. And as a matter of fact, she even said, Lord, all we need are the little crumbs from your table. Lord, all we need is just a little bit of what you have to give. And if you would just give those crumbs, God, my children, my daughter, she'll be set free. And as a result of that, Jesus was like, whoa, oh man, go your way. You wrestled in prayer. You fought for your daughter. And it changed everything. And, and how many of you moms here, I mean, you, you kids don't even realize it. 
how much your moms have prayed for you over your life. You know, what an awesome thing it is to have a mom who prays. And I know that, you know, in my life, I have not only my biological mom, I have spiritual moms who pray for me, and they sustain me. I know that without them, I'd be dead. I know that. And for this, you know, we, we thank you. I, I know Chuck Smith, he talked about how, how he, could, he never went to bed without the last thing he heard, you know, when he was going to bed, his mom was praying that every night, that's the last thing he heard. And he said he never woke up without which the first thing he heard in the morning was his mom praying. And what we find is that this is what moms do. We're so grateful for you, for, for child-bearing, for, for child-caring. And then the last thing is for child-sharing. In Psalm 127, I want to turn you there real quick. Notice what you read here in Psalm 127. It says in verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies. In the gate. Now, this is an interesting passage. You know, I, I pray first of all that we would know that children are not a, a burden, even though they're a lot of work. Uh, they're they're a blessing. Moms work hard, huh? Did you guys say that moms work hard? I remember reading a story about a little boy. He went to the flower shop. He came home with a plant uh, for his mom uh, that said "Rest in peace" and. Uh, <laughs> He's all, hi, Mom, I, I saw this plan. I thought it would be good for you because you always say you need rest. You know? <laughs> so so we, know, we know they work hard, but, man, you know, sometimes I, I think the world might, you know, say, well, they're a burden, but you can talk to any mom, and they'll, and they'll tell you, no, they're a blessing. This is what we see right here. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the room is, is a reward but then they're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And you're like, well, what's that all about? And what we go on to read the passage, and basically what it is, is, Mom, you get ready to take that arrow, and then what you do is you shoot your child, and your child, now you're sharing your child, your child goes out into the world, and they make the world a better place. And, of course, we know it's primarily spiritually i mean you know the things that are temporal uh, that's okay you know we want to you know whatever build a, a better world that we live in nowadays but to impact the kingdom of god and this is what we find right here and the day comes and i know it's tough you know we raise them up to send them out 
uh, unfortunately, we can't keep them to ourselves. And I almost hate the thought of not having my children with me every day to protect them and direct them to enjoy my boy or kiss my daughter on the forehead. But the day comes we got to let go. And, you know, sometimes moms can have a hard time with that. Other times not. They're like, go, <laughs> you know. But, but we need to know that part of the objective of parenting is to prepare our children for independent adulthood right and so we're receiving children from god conceiving children that they might become believing children and then eventually leaving children and we've got to let them go and be who where and what they were called and created to be and so they're like these arrows in the hand of a warrior and the day comes the the, the bow and arrow are pulled out and they go out and they do their job in the great battle of life for some, it's hard to let them go. Um, for others, it's different. They say it kills you to see them grow up, but I guess it would kill you quicker if they didn't, right? And so what does Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 say? It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And this is what moms do. you got to let go. And so there is that childbearing uh, there is that child caring, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then there is that child sharing. And as you do that, God ends up doing a work in every life. You know, I pray that you moms would know uh, what an awesome uh, influence you are, uh, how much of a difference your life and your love and your prayers make in your child's world. And I know that they say the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And the influence of a mom really is beyond measure. Let me close with this last story. Um, many, many years ago, the New York Times was asked to help a women's club decide who were the 12 greatest women in the history of the United States. And after much consideration, the editors replied, the 12 greatest women in the United States may very well be women whose names, for the most part, are not well known. And they went on to give examples of individuals such as the mother of Thomas Edison. They, they say when Edison was a young lad, his teacher sent him home from school with a note that said, your child is dumb. We can't do anything for him. Mrs. Edison wrote back and she said, you don't understand my boy. I will teach him myself. And she did. And I think you and I would know the results that Thomas Edison has been described as America's greatest inventor, holder of over 1,000 U.S. patents, including the light bulb, the motion picture camera, the phonograph, and so many others. He's also credited with the creation of the first industrial research laboratory. But when you look at his life, who really deserves the credit? Could you give it to Thomas Edison or his mom? Most of us here don't even know her name, but her name is Nancy. And what we find is that, you know, when you look at the influence of a mom, not just physically, not just temporally, but eternally, what we find today, I'm so glad that they gave us this holiday where we can honor you moms. Thank God for you. And I will say this. Don't stop being a mom. 
I still think in many ways you can be the most wonderful influence upon the lives of your children. You know, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, Paul compared the ministry of a mom to a ministry of a pastor. And I will say this, that just as a mom loves her kids and wants the best for them, that's how we feel as a church. And so my prayer is that you would know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would know his love, that you would know his forgiveness. And I will say this, that you can ask any mom here, any mom here, I'll bet, I'll bet, I'll bet a million dollars. What, what, Mom, what could be the greatest gift that I could give you today? And you know what she would say? Give your heart to Christ. Like, yeah, but I was going to give you a hummer. No, listen. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, even, it doesn't even begin to compare. Follow Christ. Follow her guide. That's what she would say.